Welcome to Bully Banter Week 2. It's August 31st right now as we record this, which means football season is just a few days away. I'm Theo DeRosa, sports editor for the Commercial Dispatch. With me is Dispatch sports writer Colin Dams, and we're going to talk about Mississippi State's season opener on Saturday against Memphis. Colin, MSU taking on the Tigers at 6.30 p.m. What do you think that game's going to look like? Uh, well, I'm hoping it's going to be shady. Um because, uh, you know, September weather in Mississippi is still very hot. So I'm glad that it's a nighttime kickoff. Um, I'm thinking it'll look a little bit like it did last year. Um, it doesn't seem like either offense has really changed that much in what they try to do. Um, I guess the hope for Mississippi State is that the execution is much better this time around. I think, you know, it was I think it was the third game of the season uh, last year when Mississippi State went to Memphis. A lot of things did not go their way. Um, some of those that were out of the out of control obviously the uh notorious punt play um comes to mind but um yeah I'm, I'm expecting two pass heavy offenses so maybe it'll go late into the evening and uh hopefully Mississippi State comes away with the win yeah were you watching that controversial call live and was there much discussion on the <laughs> broadcast about what had just happened so I was actually uh walking into uh one of my friend's weddings um I was keeping <laughs> I, w- I was watching kind of the first part of the game as it kicked off before we had to go and um i was keeping up with it on my phone so i I was only really seeing twitter reacting um i i saw the replay uh, you know obviously it 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 was annoying (laughs) um i think more than anything but uh, what what did you see Uh, you were at the game right yeah i didn't obviously realize what was happening right away i mean it was kind of hard to tell but i think the general reaction in the press box was, you know, how was he not down? How was the play not blown dead? And at the time, after the game, at least, Mike Leach echoed that. He was like, oh, we've got to pick up the ball and hand it to the ref. So he actually, he said he hadn't really seen the call and that he thought, you know, it had been officiated right. But when he was asked about it on Monday, he basically reneged on that and said something about, like, you can assume categorically nearly the entire opposite. Basically, you know, try not to get fined, but mm-hmm. that it was a bad call. I think we can all pretty much agree that. And it did hurt them. I don't know if it single-handedly cost them that game, but it played right. a enough role in a two-point loss that it's not going to be forgotten anytime soon. Yeah, that was sort of the thing about the end score because, I mean, there was still, you know, lots of football to be played. And Memphis, like, what they scored two or three unanswered times in – the fourth quarter and Mississippi state were kind of in that situation again. I mean, this happened two or three times last season where they were behind by a lot in the fourth quarter and tried to make up for it really quickly. And, you know, they, their offense has some success in doing that. Uh, they, they won the first game of the season last year doing that. Um, but you know, that signs of growth would be, that doesn't happen again this time that they're the ones in control in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think, you know, playing at home, playing a team with as a team with a lot more experience, playing a Memphis team that lost some of its key contributors like Calvin Austin, who had that big touchdown. I think Mississippi State is much better equipped. They're favored by about 14 or 15 points. And the computer line, at least from ESPN S&P ratings, is, I think, 15. So it matches up pretty well. Two touchdown favorite at home. I have no reason to believe Mississippi state shouldn't win that game by about that score or more. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that that's a good cover for the, or 
that that's a good score for them. I don't expect them to cover it just because it's early. You know, teams aren't necessarily going to be firing the right way from the get go. And, you know, Mississippi state kind of have a habit of making things hard for themselves at times. So I, I would expect a slightly closer game than that, but I, I do think Mississippi state wins this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we spoke with Evan Barnes from the commercial appeal in Memphis and, uh, I talked to Evan about what he kind of expects from the Tigers, how last year's game is going to factor in, and what the prediction might be. So uh, we spoke with Evan this week on our Q&A. I know it's hard to gauge in preseason, but what are some of the expectations for this Memphis football team? Well, I think, for first off, Memphis knows it has to get better from 6-6 six and six last year. I think there are questions about the run game being disappointing. The defense had questions. Um, and I think the general sense of there's an attitude that this team has to get better and improve from six and six. So there's a lot of talk about two new coordinators. There's a lot of talk about just, you know, reinvigorating the run game and, um, and just trying to find ways to respark this team. So I think this team is definitely looking this year as looking to rebound from how disappointing, uh, 2021 was. From what I've seen you and other people write, uh, Memphis is a pretty young team. How big is the experience gap between Memphis and Mississippi State that you can tell? Well, it's funny. Um, you look at Mississippi State's depth chart, you see a lot of juniors and seniors. You look at Memphis's depth chart, you see about eight or nine positions where there's probably a retro sophomore younger um, on, the, on the depth chart. So it's going to be – it's a, it's wide, but – the, the thing is, some of these young guys have played for Memphis. So you look at Seth Ennigan, he's played a full season at quarterback. Brandon Thomas started seven games at running back. Greg Rubin started, I think, 11 games at, at cornerback. So there are some young players who have played on, who have played for Memphis and played some significant reps. Um, but it does make you wonder, you know, if injuries happen, um, you know, is Memphis going to have to turn to being a you know, turn some of that youth to help out. And I think we're going to see what happens is, does Memphis play like a young team and make a lot of mistakes? Or do they play like a team that is well-coached and can show that they are not afraid to compete again with a veteran Mississippi State team? Beside Calvin Austin, who else did Memphis lose from last year? And what kind of an impact have those losses had? Sure. So, you have Sean Dice at tight end. He also... Um, is is you know graduated. He is he was their second leading receiver. Um, very you know another pass weapon down the field. Um, you also lose cornerback um, Jacoby Francis and JJ Russell and um, right guard Dylan Parham who is was a uh, drafted by the Raiders. So you lose five players who played a lot of ball for the Tigers, and those roles are going to be um, key battles to look at this year. We need to see which receiver steps up. Um, how the new tight end looks. Um, can the O-line with the terms four starters fill Parham's gaps? Um, and then defensively, you know, filling J.J. Russell and Jacob Francis' shoes. I think that's going to be another key question. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Hennigan. Obviously, he had a pretty solid freshman season. How has he looked so far in the preseason? And do you think he's capable of going on the road and winning an SEC game? He looks bigger and stronger. Like, you, you see his frame... Looks like he's put on more muscle, as he's told us. Um, there's a confidence in him. He fully knows this is his team. He's not worried about a quarterback battle or anything like that. 
this is somebody who is confident in what he can do. He's ready to face a hostile atmosphere. This is a young man who's played, who played in big games in high school, and he's you know played in some big games last year as a true freshman. So his confidence and his ability are better than last year, and Memphis will need that because they're going to depend on um, Hemingway to probably win some games with you know some questions on some of the skill position guys around him. Where do you see any mismatches in either team's favor when it comes to looking at the depth chart and the rosters for this game? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I always look at SEC line play. Like, that's going to be something that Memphis has to counter is, can they hang with the physicality of an SEC front? Now, they're switching to a 4-3 defense under Matt Barnes, so there's going to be a little bit more pressure up there. But I think that's the matchup I'm looking for is, can you know, Memphis's defensive front counter um, Mississippi State's O-line, and I think also the Mississippi State's secondary. I think there's some good pieces there that I think will test the Memphis receiving core to see if they can make big plays. Because remember last year, Calvin Austin was the main one who did damage in the passing game. So it's going to be for me is can those receivers find holes against a secondary that's long and athletic, and can they exploit that? So I think line play... And Memphis receivers versus the Mississippi State secondary are the two matchups that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable making a prediction, how do you see this game playing out? <laughs> I actually am. I, I made a prediction uh, as, we were, as we're recording this, so I can go ahead and say it. I think Memphis will put up a fight. I think Memphis will not be intimidated, but I think there's just, you know there's fewer questions about Mississippi State. They're more comfortable with that air raid offense, that defense experience. I, I think Memphis will put up a good fight, but it's going to be a tall order to expect um, an upset down the start. But I think Mississippi State wins this game, but Memphis will, will get a chance to possibly show some things to give fans hope. You know, this game is, is a tough one, so I think their whole their main thing is going there, give you your best shot, and then you know, see what happens next week facing Navy. Okay, before we get to an update on Ole Miss, we're going to pick some of the games around the country this week. Starting off with some Thursday night action, we've got the Backyard Brawl, West Virginia at Pittsburgh. Colin, who do you see winning that one? This is an interesting one because both of them get um, transfer quarterbacks that, you know, a couple of years ago people kind of expected might be going to the NFL draft last May. So um, I'm going to pick West Virginia just because I think Pittsburgh has lost more that they need to replace. Um but yeah, I, I it's kind of hard to <laughs> pick between the two of them, just not being able to watch them yet this season. Exactly. Yeah, Pitt is ranked. West Virginia is not quite ranked. Pitt, Pitt is favored by, I think, 10, 15 points. But West Virginia does bring in JT Daniels, who actually, I think I picked as first or second team All-SEC quarterback last year. Didn't really play much at Georgia. And uh, Pitt also has a former USC quarterback in <laughs> Edon Slovis. So it'll be interesting to see those guys match up. And, of course, that's a big rivalry game. I'm going to give it the edge to Pitt, given that it's at Pittsburgh this season. Also Thursday night, Penn State taking on Purdue in a Big Ten battle. We saw Northwest, uh, Northwestern Nebraska. Pretty entertaining game last week. I don't know about Penn State-Purdue, but Colin, who do you think wins that one? Um, so I actually don't know a whole lot about who Penn State is bringing back. I would expect them to have the edge, but you said it was at Purdue, right? It is at Purdue on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, you, you know, as uh, 
someone who has supported Ohio State, I can confirm that playing at Purdue in a nighttime atmosphere can be tricky. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns with Penn State, though. I, I was right with Northwestern with my Big Ten vibes check early in the season, so I'm going to trust my instinct. Our next game is uh, Oregon at Georgia. Oregon taking Georgia's, I believe, defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. He's their new head coach. Do you think Oregon has enough to win between the hedges and Sanford Stadium? I don't, um, just because, uh, I mean, Kirby Smart knows how to put a team together, um, and he especially knows how to put a defense together. And uh, also, he's playing against an offensive coordinator and a quarterback that he knows pretty well in uh, Bo Nix. And I, I can't remember the coordinator's name, but he was at Auburn uh, coaching Bo Nix in 2019. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to trust the national chance to open up with this one. That's that's one of the more exciting games, though, this week. Um, I'm going to be excited to watch that one. Yeah, around the same time, another exciting game, Cincinnati going to Arkansas. Obviously, Cincinnati lost Sauce Gardner and Alec Pierce and, of course, Desmond Ritter. But, you know, Arkansas lost Traylon Burks. That game's in Fayetteville, I believe. Who do you think will take that one home? Yeah, I think one of the big differences, too, is they lost uh, Jerome Ford, the running back who looked really good last year and was kind of the – he kind of set the tempo for that Cincinnati offense because he allowed Desmond Ritter the time and space to do some of the other things that, you know, got him noticed as an NFL draft prospect and that got Cincinnati to the playoff. So um, I'm going to trust Arkansas to win this one at home. Um, you know, they're returning some players from last year. They did lose Traylon Burks, but um, was it KJ Jefferson is their quarterback. I, I, I saw a lot from him that I liked last year. Another game on the schedule, Utah going down to the Swamp and taking on Florida. Dan Mullen no longer at Florida, of course. Billy Napier, the new coach. You think Florida can get it done against the number seven team in the country? That's an interesting one. Um, uh, this is probably the one that gave me the biggest headache of the games we're picking. I'm going to – I think I'm going to pick uh, Florida for the upset. Um, I think it being at the Swamp, Billy Napier is a coach that I kind of thought would – do well in a better job and another thing is florida just always really recruits well um so utah even though they're kind of the season team the their offense did a really good job last year especially in the rose bowl against ohio state um i i just don't know if i can see them kind of winning this game that'll put them on the big stage even though i mean what florida's still unranked aren't they yes florida is unranked yeah. You mentioned Ohio State. They're taking on Notre Dame at night in the shoe. With uh, number two versus number five, it's kind of surprising to see a 17-point spread in the Buckeyes' favor. But Ohio State does have that explosive offense. Notre Dame lost a lot, too. Who do you think wins that one? And I know you might be a little biased on this. Yeah, I'm uh, certainly biased. I, I think the reason that Ohio State is favored so heavily is because – there are some uncertainties in this game about what we're going to see for Notre Dame, but there's almost no uncertainties about what the Ohio state offense brings to this game. Um, CJ Stroud is, you know, one of the top two Heisman hopefuls Jackson Smith and uh, you know, looked like he could be a first round pick if he was able to go to the draft last year. Um, <laughs> they're, they're replacing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson with Marvin Harrison jr and uh, Julian Fleming, and then Travion Henderson in the backfield. You know, I, they did lose a couple of starters on the offensive line, but, I mean, Ryan Day hasn't really missed so far when it comes to summing the offense. So, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Ohio State. I don't know if they cover that, but I do think that they 
win the game pretty comfortably. Um, I am very interested to see the Jim Knowles defense because that was obviously the big, you know, hang up with Ohio State last year, especially losing to both uh, Oregon and then Michigan, letting up over 200 yards on the ground in both those games. So, um, yeah, I think the eyes will be on that side of the ball more when it comes to the nerves of the Ohio State fan base. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That wraps up our Mississippi State football and college football roundup here. Before we get to Ole Miss, I'd like to touch on some of Mississippi State's other sports action and props to the MSU soccer and volleyball teams currently undefeated going into Thursday. I think soccer is 3-0-1 and volleyball is 2-0. They won at the Irish Invitational. They beat Milwaukee and Notre Dame without losing a set. Soccer had that impressive win over Minnesota on Sunday. They'll take on South Alabama on Thursday, and then they've got, I believe it's Louisiana Tech on Sunday. And uh, we're being joined shortly by Michael Katz from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ole Miss. I know some of you might get off the podcast right now when you hear those two words mentioned, but it's always good to scout the opposition. And uh, Ole Miss opens up with Troy this week. Michael, are you there? I am here. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for coming on today. Can you tell us a little bit with uh, three days before the season opener, how Ole Miss is looking this year? I'd love to, to tell you we knew who the quarterback was going to be, but that is still uh, not known yet. It's it's between Jackson Dart and uh, former he's former USC quarterback and uh, Starkville's own uh, Luke Altmeyer are the two guys battling for the job. I don't imagine that we are going to know anything until uh, they step on the field Friday or uh, Saturday. If I had to guess, there probably won't be any sort of announcement or anything. I think we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. Uh, yeah, I think that's really the the big question with this team. Uh, Matt Corral did so much uh, for, for Ole Miss last year and was really efficient and he didn't turn the ball over and he just did uh, just a lot of really good things. I think that's the thing everybody's sort of looking at is, is how do you replace all the things that he did? Yeah, they lost, you know, their top three running backs and, you know, like 2,000 yards worth of rushing production, but they did the transfer portal thing and, and they got some guys that they feel pretty good about. It's the same with the receivers really all along the roster. There's uh, a lot of new pieces, but they're pieces that have played and they're, they're talented and it obviously remains to be seen how all the pieces in the puzzle fit. Uh, but everybody's just looking at that quarterback spot. Cause if, if that works, then I think they're feeling pretty good about their chances this year. Their chances, you know, beginning with Troy this weekend, Troy had a few really good years under Neil Brown not too long ago. How capable is this Troy team from what you know about them and how much of a scare, if any, can they give Ole Miss? So it's interesting. Um, they, you know, like you said, that Neil Brown stretch, they won like 10 or 11 games every year for, for three years in a row. And I think since he left, I think they've won five games every year and it just hasn't been quite the same. They've got a first-year head coach in John Summerall who – uh, was most recently the co-defensive coordinator of Kentucky. He was an Ole Miss uh, assistant back in 2018, uh, I believe it was. The, you know, they've, they've, they've got a quarterback uh, who has started games. That's that's always step number one. Um, they have one of the best linebackers in the country that nobody really talks about in Carlton Marshall. He's a really good player. He's a former walk-on with, I think, got 540 or 440-something career tackles. He's he has another year like he normally has, he'll uh, he'll probably end up setting the, the NCAA career record. Um, you know, they're 
they're gonna they're gonna be a hard nosed, and they're you know it, it, with a defensive coach, you kind of know you're gonna get that gritty sort of team. I think with a game like this, I think it might be one of those things where it's maybe uncomfortably close for a bit, just as Ole Miss is kind of figuring itself out. And, you know, I, I obviously yeah, Troy has a new coach, but I think they know what they want to be. I think Ole Miss is still kind of I don't think I don't think we really know what it is that they're that they want to be. So I, I think it might be a little bit close, but I, I, at, at the start. But uh, I think when it comes down to it, talent wins out in games like this and they'll they'll figure it out. But um, you know, this is not a I, this isn't a, a team to you know, this isn't like a, a team that you can just sort of you know, cross off, off the schedule as an automatic win. It's, you know, the point spread's pretty big right now. And, you know, I think it ends up being a a pretty big win, Uh, but I I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing from the start. You talked a little bit about the quarterbacks and the competition that's ongoing. A big concern with Ole Miss, at least heading into last year, was its defense, but that defense ended up being at least all right. How does the defense look heading into 2022? I think the thing they're really excited about is, is it's a lot deeper than it's been in recent years. And that was kind of the thing that was tough for them, you know, even last year when you had guys go out, there was a big drop off and you had to have guys play so many snaps. And when you do that, bad things tend to happen. You tend to give up those big plays. Uh, you know, the Arkansas game is the one that everybody kind of goes to is when you got when you have to play guys for that long that many plays guys get gassed and that's when you end up giving up you know four touchdowns in a quarter or whatever it was in that crazy uh 52 51 game but um again the transfer portal i think has really helped build that depth the question with them on defense is the linebackers uh they lost uh, their two leading tacklers um and really they only have two guys who played there before um, in Austin Keys and Ashanti Sistrunk, who have any sort of experience at Ole Miss. They brought in a couple guys, uh, one from Central Michigan, uh, Troy Brown, and uh, Kerry Coleman from TCU. Again, they're guys that have experience at their respective schools, but you just never know how it is going to translate, especially in the SEC when things get a little bit more rugged. But I know that especially on the defensive line, they feel like they're the deepest they've been since since Lane Kiffin took over. And that's been a big point of emphasis. The defensive backfield is pretty experienced and they brought some new guys in. The question is really is the linebacking and, you know, is are they going to do the three two six thing uh, again? That's, you know, uh, on their lay on their depth chart that we did get. They have 12 players listed, which I it took me a second. It was I think they are running a, a four two six at the moment, uh, according to the depth chart, which uh, I don't think they should try. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if the, what their base alignment ends up being, if they if they keep doing the three two six thing all the time, like they kind of ended up doing last year. It obviously worked well for them last year. Uh, but I think that a lot, a lot of that has to do with personnel. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what changes schematically without DJ Durkin, who's, who's now at Texas A&M. And, uh, and uh, you know, how, how the linebacker spot kind of works itself out. Sounds good, Michael. Thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck with the game this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for this week's edition of Bully Banter. Check back next Thursday for a new episode.